This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Cliff Central, Beyond Ears and Eyes. I am Shumaine Harris, and my bestie in studio is Liesl Tom. She's going to tell you that herself right now. And then Palisa Mabuya is on controls. Hey, Palais. Hi, Shumaine. It's great to be here with you on Beyond Ears and Eyes. And we have a guest via Skype today. David Tyfield. Now, Shemaine, yeah, you've been saying for a while yes. that you want to learn more about lucid dreaming. Now, guess what? David Tyfield runs lucid dreaming workshops, uh-huh. but he's also doing his PhD in ethical philosophy, comparing Western and Buddhist ethical philosophy with each other. I have no idea what that means. We can ask him. I'd love to find out about that. And then, now, you know, if that's not weird enough or out of our frame of reference enough, he also runs a Bardo study group. Um, I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) Hey, David, how are you doing? Hey, hey guys. How are you guys? Good. We're good. very well. Lovely to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Liesl, add to, guys. yeah, I want Liesl to add to her list the fact that you went to, where, where is it? Uh, to, to visit with the son for a few years. Oh, yeah, yeah, in my teens. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, wa- I want yeah. us to touch on that. That's kind okay, of like, cool. I mean, hey, we've got to say <laughs> more. We've got a dropout yeah. who now is doing his PhD. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's hot. A- Weird story. <laughs> okay, but Lee, go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David, just tell us a bit about all these weird and wonderful things you do, leaving out yeah. the lucid dreams, because that's going to be the meat of our interview. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, I'm in the final year of my PhD at the moment, and um, just uh, teaching part-time at uh, universities in Cape Town. Uh, I've got a book coming out this year of poetry, which was my master's degree. I did a master's degree in creative writing and poetry. And, yeah, that's kind of what I'm busy with at the moment, just sitting in my flat with my cat trying to finish my thesis and do a bit of teaching and get my poetry out there. You're not perhaps looking at the waves also, hey? The waves? No, no. (laughs) Thank God. Otherwise, I was just going to hate you. (laughs) We were just going to stop this interview right now. But I am, I am looking at the back of Table Mountain right now. Ah, bless. You almost, you almost spoiled it. But uh, you know, you guys have the mountain. We have the gold. Uh, Tell me. And you guys are the best people in South Africa as well. Oh, thank you, David. No offense to Capetonians, but Joe Burgers are the best. I married a Joe Burger, so. You are welcome <laughs> in our city anytime. <laughs> David, what is this Bardo? Am I even pronouncing yeah. it correctly? Yes, Bardo is correct. So, um, Bardo, it's a, it's sort of a, an entire, um, site, what they call a cycle of teachings in Tibetan Buddhism, um, which look at the movement between, um, being like awake and experiencing this world that we, Think of as being life, and then this is other than the lucid dreaming bit. This is just well, it's kind of it's it's associated because it looks at how we we experience this waking consciousness, and we we kind of experience it as being very solid and very real. And then every night it dissolves, and we end up in a completely different place called the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we're there, if we're not lucid, we we experience that as being very solid and real. 
And then that dissolves and we wake up here. And in a similar way, the Bardo teachings say that from life to life, we, we have a similar cycle where we experience like a lifetime from wake. So, so the lifetime kind of looks like, um, when you wake up in the morning and you go to sleep at night, mm-hmm. it's kind of like being alive, being born and then dying. And then there's an experience in between lives called, which we call, they're, they're actually six different bodies, but this is the, what people usually think of as the bardo, the death bardo, which is kind of like being in a dream state. So just before um, we go with bardo, what, what, what's the meaning that, uh, of the, how do you uh, tr- directly translate so, it? Is it an so, experience? Is it yeah, so, um, so bardo means between. So um, uh, okay. it's a between state. So actually any moment, if, if you look at the bardo teachings in detail, then you, and you, you in, like really practice it and study it and interrogate it, you see that every single moment in time is actually a bardo because there is no moment in time that is independent. It's always um, got mm. a, a beginning and then a middle and an end. And so we're never actually in what we think of as a sort of st- stable situation. Every situation is constantly changing and therefore we're constantly in a, in a bardo, in, in a between state. But, but David, how do we know that what we consider to be the dream state is not the reality and what we are experiencing now is not some kind of messed up dream. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the point. There there is from the Bardo teaching perspective, (laughs) very, very little distinction between the two because that, which I consider like my, myself, um, which is very much attached to this body that I'm sitting in a chair now looking out at the mountain Um, and then that I, I end up in another, in a dream state where I also have a body and also look at a mountain and also experience a sense of self. And so we start to see that there's the, that very solid sense of me starts to dissolve. And that's where the ethical side comes in because of course it's the very the sort of self-centered meanness that, that usually causes the problems that we experience. So it's all about letting that, that very solid sense of me become a little bit gentler so that we can become a little bit more um, generous and kind and useful to the world instead of always obsessed with this fearful little Dave, this fearful little Dave that constantly needs to to be making things in accord with his own desires. And we start to become more able to be in the flow, in the, in the harmony, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. So I'm like on a little journey while you're talking. Yeah. And okay. it's it's one teetering on madness. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. Because <laughs> I'm going like, okay, there goes something and there goes something else. So, you know, you speak about this bardo as like, I, I've heard some people say every moment is a death. Yes. Um, yes. You know, which, which, which is, you know, it, it makes sense, but practically it, it, my brain does not want to compute. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so are you talking about parallel lives kind of when we in mm, our, mm. when we go to another state? Because, mm. you know, there's, there's also that, that whole, there's a, a dream study that was, was done and apparently we sleep for at least a quarter of our lives. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so the, the, the question is out there, why do we need sleep? And some people ca- came to the conclusion, we really need sleep. To to dream um, yes. and and to problem solve and to travel and to yeah. heal and I, I'm yeah. not so sure, you know, yeah. um, because I'm I, I'm thinking I just need to rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think 
Sorry. Mm-hmm, go ahead. Please, please continue. No, 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 you go ahead. Okay. No, I, I was actually talking, we were talking about this yesterday in the group. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, from from the Bardo teachings perspective, it's an interesting thing. And I agree with, and I'm, a, I'm kind of in agreement with you on the rest thing. I think that, you know, we, from the Bardo teaching perspective, at least, we, when we're in these, these physical bodies, it's a very, it's a very gross, actually it's a gross as in like, it's a very, um, not subtle. It's a very sort of, um, heavy experience. Mm-hmm. And then we also have what's called the subtle body, which then we experience in the dream state, which is basically, um, made up of, of thought energy. And I think that, um, the reason people usually in their lucid, this is just speculation. This is just me kind of mouthing off about my own thoughts. But I think the reason people often end up flying around and just experiencing the sheer joy and release in, in a lucid dream of being free and being able to fly is because it's like a release from this heaviness that we experience when we're awake, the sense of, fly, of constant fly, fly. What kind of flying are we talking about? I have to. Oh, I have, you have oh, to be okay, specific sorry. because you're talking about, you know, the the tangible and the not so tangible. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so often when people get lucid uh, in their dreams, so they they they're in a dream and they realize that they're dreaming. The first thing that they they want to do is fly, and they just they can fly around um, their living room or they can fly out into outer space. But the the general trend is a feeling of complete freedom and and weightlessness mm. and so you know i think that dream uh, that sleep whether whether we practicing meditation or lucid dreaming or anything like that or not is a chance for us to kind of rest a little bit and for the the, the physical body to obviously for the physical body to rest but also to kind of go a little bit back to to a more true nature which is a lot subtler than this this physical form that we're so obsessed yeah. with all the time you uh, you but mentioned that's just my ideas. david you mentioned that um for many people the reason why they interested in lucid dreaming is because they want those lovely fly dreams but what about mm. swimming isn't swimming also yeah. another way we, where we are completely free yes yes exactly it's it's that's another great i have a lot a lot of people end up um and then you can swim under the sea as well, and that's quite fun. And speak to sea turtles <laughs> or do whatever you like. What, um, about, what about people who say that they don't dream? Yeah, so it's um, a very, very, very unlikely situation. Apparently, there, there is some some form of brain damage that can that can create a, a like a inability to dream. But basically, everybody dreams every night. Um, according also to like the research that they've done in sleep labs. But the thing is, if you don't learn to recall your dreams, then it's like a, it's like any muscle. If you don't develop it, then it's, it doesn't get stronger. So what, what we often find, um, and my friend Charlie, who's, who's my lucid dreaming teacher, he speaks about this, like he'll have people who are maybe in their sixties who say, Oh, I don't dream. I never have. And then he says, well, just try these techniques and see what happens. And then maybe a week later, he'll get an email from them saying, Oh my word, I actually had a dream. And uh, I realized I've been dreaming my whole night, my whole life. And I just never, never cared to look. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think we, because our, our society doesn't value dreams, we don't care to, to look. Mm-hmm. It's a bit yeah. like, it's a bit like your nose. You see it all the time, but you are so used to it. You discount it. Is, is, is that 
kind of what, what we do when you say we don't dream. Can we just, yeah, yeah. Can we just get something straight about the nose? Depends on whether you get a black nose or a white nose. (laughs) The length, Uh, the length. I don't, I have to squint to see mine (laughs) because it's kind of (laughs) short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. mm, I, I think. With the, with the dreaming as well, like, so when we speak about lucid dreaming, the, um, Stephen LeBurge, who was the, the researcher that brought lucid dreaming into the mainstream in, in the Western schools, because, of course, like, unless it can be scientifically verified, you know, people aren't, aren't usually interested in, in these things, even though they've been practiced for thousands of years. And he was the one who was able to design a, um, a, a experiment that actually was able to prove that lucid dreaming was, was verifiable to, mm. to, to, to skeptics. Anyway, and he, so his research was, was really important. And he said, which I think is, is completely true, that you need to have three things to have a lucid dream. You need to, there are three different components that you have to have. And the most important is to have a strong motivation. So it's just to, to have a very strong motivation, a strong intention of wanting to have a lucid dream. That's the foundational one. But then the, the, the second one is having excellent dream recall. And so a lot of the, the stuff that we teach on these, these lucid dreaming courses is how to, how people can improve their dream recall. So it goes back to that question of, you know, if you don't practice recalling your dreams, then you don't develop the, the habit of doing so. But once you've developed the habit, then you notice more and more dreams, um, as you, as you progress in that practice. And then obviously the, the third is the techniques. So the, the, the techniques are actually the least important, but, but they are actually, um, without them, you can end up having very little lucid dreaming, even if you're putting in a lot of effort. Whereas there are techniques that you can learn, which will, which will help you to have far more lucid dreams far quicker. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up with regard to, to dream recall, how it fits into the whole thing. So David, you are obviously an expert in lucid dreaming, but you know, for us mere mortals who are not into you know who are not as as practiced as that and don't recall our dreams all the time why would we sometimes have this very vivid recall of a dream so i I, i'm with Jung on this one and also the the tibetan buddhists also um speak of it in a similar way that the the unconscious um or whatever you want to call it that creates the dream i don't know what to call it, but the very interesting thing, if even if you're in a lucid dream, you can experiment and you can actually like ask questions to the, the dream itself and the dream response. And I'm like, nobody, you know, nobody's able to say what is it that's creating this, this response. Hmm. Um, it's, there's a, there's a great author called Robert Wagoner who, who has a book called lucid dreaming gateway to the inner self. And he calls this the conscious unconscious. And I think that, that, that there's a wealth of, of, of wisdom and, um, knowledge there and that it's kind of, uh, as Jung would say, um, also our, our archetypes are, are, are stored there and mm-hmm. that this wisdom is, is, is constantly trying to, to communicate and to help us to, to mature what, what Jung referred to as individuation and, um, what I would call just becoming mature, becoming a mature human being. Um, so I think that that's why sometimes even if we're not practicing lucid dreaming, we can have very profound and important dreams that are very helpful in guiding our lives. And a lot of my, my dreams that I consider to be important dreams, um, weren't lucid because sometimes, you know, you've got to get out the way as well and just let mm. things happen. 
So I I think of them almost as psychic dreams. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Be, so this is where the madness comes in. Because no. <laughs> I, I, in 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 a way, well, not in a way. I do believe that we travel. Um, yes. You know, um, I uh, in, yeah. in in spaces and um, and I, I, I yeah and I do believe that during our sleeping moments, some parts of the veil gets gets opened. Yeah, um, you know, um, and because it's an honest state of being. Yes, so, yes, so that's, um, you know, so some of those, those dreams are actually psychic and it's just, you know, sometimes you can't interpret them, but sometimes it's so clear mm. that mm. you can interpret them. Um, mm. you know, and, 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 and also developmental dreams because you can find mm. yourself starting at one point. Um, where you, where you, where you battling with something, you're doing something, you're battling, and then eventually over years, you get that thing yes. right, you know? Yes. And it's just, yeah. it's kind of like a progression of your life. It's, it kind of tells you a story of how, you know, how you're solving, how you're problem solving, or how you're growing, or how you're, you know, developing. Yeah, definitely. So, so, but, but pe- don't people want to know from you how to interpret mm. dreams? Don't you, don't you get mm. that? So for for me, the way I respond to to the dream interpretation thing is is a kind of a few different angles. The first is um, from the Bardo perspective, from 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 that point of view, the main most important thing is to be able to 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 see the nature of the dream, and that I, I can't really talk about uh, very well because I don't have much experience of it, but. That would be the essential point, but then there are also these more um, more relative uses which are very powerful and important. And the way that I would guide people with that is to to allow the dream to speak its own language. So instead of trying to interpret the dream in using like our our very conceptual dualistic dictionary, to rather sit wait 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 in, conceptual dualistic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's yeah. dual conceptions. Yeah, or, exactly. Okay. All so right. Instead of trying to conceptualize it, just sit like in, in maybe in meditation posture or maybe just in your bed, like, like, like half sitting up with the pillows behind you as, and try to just sit in the dream, like you're sitting in, 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 in water or like you, <laughs> and, and allow the dream to communicate in its language, which is symbol and feeling in the body rather than thinking. And it's like allowing a wave to wash over you. Just allow the story to, to be told in its own way instead of trying to make sense of it. Because in that way, the, the, the sort of um, energy that's locked up in the dream is able to, to find its way into consciousness. But as long as we try to hold on to it and make sense of it, then it, it's kind of still, it, we kind of block it. It's unable to do so. Um, and that's, that's a practice that you can learn quite easily. Just do, um, taking, you know, maybe 10, 20 minutes a day to begin with to just do basic mindfulness of the body, just learning how to sit in the body. Mm. Um, so that, that's kind of one of the main techniques that I would suggest. David, many people who are not practitioners of lucid dreaming have yeah, spontaneous yeah. dreams of flying. Yes. Would, would, would that mean they are lucid dreaming without being aware of it? Right. Are, you, are you always aware of it? Yeah. Okay, so so the definition of a lucid dream, which we, I should have probably gone over at the beginning, is, is very, very simple. It's a, a lucid dream is a dream in which I know that I'm dreaming while I'm in the dream. 
Mm-hmm. So, so it's not necessarily a, so. So it's not just a very vivid dream or um, a very beautiful dream. But and sometimes you know you can have lucid nightmares, which are actually very useful because we can face our fears with lucidity, and they actually using lucid dreaming for that purpose with for people who have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and they found it extremely powerful um, in dealing mm. with that. But but uh, so it's just a dream in which you know that you're dreaming. And now for people who are not lucid and flying, it's the same benefit. It's the same joy. And I, you know, I think we underrate, um, in our society in general, the, the worth of just being joyful, just joy, natural joy, not finding, not trying to be excited all the time, but just finding just a, a sort of inner joy that, that's there and accessible, um, to us naturally. So, so yeah, I think, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it, it, it does. And I really like yeah. what you're saying about joy because, you know, people do think that they have to have a reason to be joy, joyful. Exactly. Whereas our, 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 our very nature is joyous. I agree. Until yeah. our egos start to interfere. Tell me, out of body experiences, yeah. are they the same as lucid dreaming? Are they yeah. related? They, they're related. I personally can't speak with much authority on out of body because I'm not sure if I've actually been able to achieve that um, yet. So from, from <laughs> are you trying? I am trying, and I have I have been able. There's a practice that you can do where you you it's, it's extremely. You would think it's quite easy, but it's extremely difficult for some reason. When you're in a lucid dream, and now one thing to say about a lucid dream quickly while I'm while I'm going through this is. A lucid dream, you know, you think if you, if you haven't had a lucid dream, you think, you would think that it would be kind of, you know, like the way that people draw dreams or the way that we remember dreams is sort of a little bit hazy and, you know, not quite this sort of, um, a carbon copy, you know, of reality. But if you're in a lucid dream and you knock on a table, it's going to make a sound. I once threw a, 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 a vase or a glass or something through a window from a second story on a second story um, apartment in a lucid dream and then turned my back and I, I wasn't expecting it at all. I wasn't thinking about it at all. I'd forgotten about the glass. And two seconds later, the glass, I heard it landing on the floor outside the apartment. Okay. So that's how realistic um, these dreams are. Hold up. So <laughs> your body was stationed where you were. And you yeah. had your dream, and in your dream you threw this thing down, and you heard yeah. the clinkle of the glass seconds later. Yes. So this is all dream, okay? So so this is all in the dream. So what I'm, what I'm trying hot. to say is, yeah, is that the dream is so Real. so realistically created that you will hear the glass falling, even though you can't see it. That sort of thing. If you if you knock on wood, you'll it'll make a sound. If you taste chocolate. It, if you expect it to taste like the best chocolate you've ever tasted, then that's what it will, will taste like. Um, it, it's difficult to describe. It's, it's, it's more, it's, it's almost hyper real. It's not, you would expect if you haven't had a loose dream for it to be kind of vague, but it's not. It's, it's hyper, hyper realistic. So then what you do in this practice is when you're in that state of a loose dream, you try and remember where's my body? Where's my physical body sleeping in bed? Where, where is it? Where am I? Is my actual physical body? And for some reason, it's actually you could be convinced your body's in one place, and then you'll wake up and you'll be like, "Why did I think my body was there?" So anyway, if you can, if you can do that, this is the remember, this is the dream state, not the out of body experience. 
this is the dream state. For some reason, you know, the brain function is is kind of a little bit different. So it's hard to 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 think sort of um, rationally, which I think is a very good thing. Um, but 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 it's also good to try to connect those two those two aspects. So anyway, you're supposed to kind of remember where's my body, and then and then try to sort of imagine the the body the the, the, the room where your body's sleeping, and then eventually you apparently um, end up in the room. Now I've I've done that, and I've been in the room, but I didn't look at the bed to see my body there, so I can't be convinced that I was out of body or if I was just dreaming of the room. Hmm. So we'll have to see. I'll keep going. I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please do. So if you get hurt in a lucid dream, um, let's just stay with hurt for now. Um, Mm -hmm. Say Mm -hmm. someone knocks you with uh, a lance. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. Will you feel the pain and will your physical body the next morning have a bruise? So this is a, a really great topic, um, and I've had a few dreams that 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 I can relate. But the greatest dream that, that I can think of, because it's really classic, is my friend Charlie. So he, he actually includes it in his book. So he has this friend called Tim Freak, who's a, a philosopher. Charlie Morley, by the way, just to clarify, is my lucid dreaming teacher who um, lives in London. Okay, yeah, I've heard of him, the yeah. guy from the UK. He comes down yeah. here every now and again and teaches yeah, South Africans. Yes. So cool. he's, he's the guy that kind of moved me from wanting to have lucid dreams to actually having them. Um, so he so he dreamt of Tim Freak. Um, they were on stage uh, in a dream, and Tim was giving a lecture, and Charlie was on the stage, and there was a big audience, and Charlie was like, okay, let's see where this goes. And so the dream, the dream um, Tim... Um, says to the audience, now Charlie is going to demonstrate the difference between pain and suffering. <laughs> so, of course, Charlie's <laughs> thinking, oh, my word, what's going to happen? So he goes to a fire and picks up a big log and hits Charlie on the back with this burning log. And, of course, um, you do feel pain in a lucid dream. Um, you, you do feel sensation if you expect to. If you don't expect to, then you won't. Um, if you if you're completely completely convinced that that the dream is empty and purely a projection of your mind, and that the physical therefore the dream body cannot be hurt, then you will not experience any pain. But Charlie in this case um, did experience the pain, hmm. and then Tim said to the audience, "Now Charlie is experiencing pain because I just hit him on the back with a burning log, um, but he's not experiencing suffering because he knows." for a fact that this is just a dream and that um, it's just a projection of his mind. So, you know, that kind of shows the transition from, from what we call a level three lucid dream to to a level four Wait. or super, super lucid. They are levels? <laughs> yeah, so 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 I'll, I'll skip to level three. So level three is what we usually refer to as a lucid dream. It's where you, you're lucid and you're walking around, speaking to dream characters, you can kind of you can fly to different places by flapping your arms or using a a, a magic wand or whatever. But in a super lucid, so, dream, so you're saying uh, according to your will, you can do whatever you want yeah. in that according to your will. Because when you according, go like, you know, flapping your arms or arms or a magic wand, we go like, okay, <laughs> fairy well, tales. So my, sorry, my and, is, and and sorry, yeah, yeah. before you carry on, yeah, is yeah, this yeah, also please. does this also uh, are these dreams ones where you can determine where the dream goes and what the yeah. outcome will be? Yeah, yeah, you've got a certain amount of control, 
And like I was saying, like you need a prop though. Like, so if you fly, you'll flap your wings, you know? So uh-huh. you, you, you're using props. Okay. Uh, you're using, you're using metaphor. You're using symbol. Okay. Whereas in a, in a level four super lucid dream, you don't need to fly somewhere to get there. If I look at the mountain outside my window in a, in a level three lucid dream, I'll, I'll jump out the window and I'll fly. But in a super lucid dream, I'll just look at the top of the mountain and expect to be there and I'll be there in an instant. Mm. Um, so similarly, if I was in a super lucid dream, which means you're not just knowing you're dreaming, but you're actually aware of the nature of the dream, which is the fact that nothing at all, the whole thing is relative, the whole thing is mind. Then if somebody comes and and um, does something absolutely terrible, like, I don't know, cuts off your arm, you just don't care because you know that it's not real. But that's that's a different level of lucidity. That's that's moving from a level three lucid dream, where you would feel that you would expect to feel pain and so feel it, to a level four where you you don't even expect to feel pain because you know that there's no body. Can you, let's say in a in a, in a level three dream, if you die, does your body die? No, no. I mean, it's you just wake up. I mean, I, I often I, like, used to get to, like have these sort of lucid dreams where I would I would have to face something scary, and you know I was I was sort of a big beginner, so instead of facing it, I would just lie down on the floor and go to sleep, and then you just wake up in another dream. Hmm. Would those so be just, would would those be if you if you wake up and you're in another dream? Would that be a false awakening? Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so I, you and, dream you yeah. wake up. So you're dreaming that you're waking up in, in another dream, and and often you can have like a, you can be lucid for for an hour or so and just keep waking up in different lucid dreams, and as long as you keep remembering to to check if you're dreaming or not, then you can just keep on getting lucid over and over again, which is which is quite fun because then you can really do quite a lot of experiments and things. How do you like check? The, how do you check if you're dreaming or not? So there's one very simple check that that's quite popular is um, in a dream. Your, the part of your brain that's sort of projecting the dream or the part of the mind that's projecting the dream is, um, not so sort of hot on, on, on detail sometimes. So what you can do is you can look at your hand, um, just like look at your, your hand as it is. And in the then dream. Look away from your hand in the dream and then look away and look back at your hand, expecting if I'm dreaming, my hand will change. And, um, it always changes. So it may change that you have 10 fingers. It may change that your fingers are like, I don't know, 30 centimeters long. Or it may change that you have somebody, some person apparently had an elephant trunk. So, but the basic point is that the second time your hand will be different. And so if you don't have a normal five-fingered hand, then, then, then that's the sign that you're dreaming. So how long um, before you go into a lucid dreaming state? Um, okay. Because no, no. The reason why I'm asking yeah. that is, yeah. um, according to the dream studies, and I'm I'm not a, a, a what's his name a fundi or anything, but they say it takes about 90 minutes for you to go into that state oh, where right, you where right. you start proper so, dreaming and you kind of like yeah. like an awakened state, but your body is paralyzed because that's how it, the system yeah. is wired, so you don't go traipsing off. But I mean, exactly. according to to what you are saying, this 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 is this is not a long. This is not a long story. This is like, this no. can happen like within minutes. Yeah. So what happens is um, with our sleep cycles is that they are 90 minutes long, but 
the first sleep cycles of the night, you're spending more and more time in a deep sleep, which is usually with there's usually um, isn't um, dreaming activity mm-hmm. there, and and less time in REM, rapid eye movement sleep, mm-hmm. which is where you have dreams mostly. So as the night progresses, you spend less and less time in deep sleep, and more time in REM. So when we practice lucid dreaming, we usually suggest to people that they sleep for um, four and a half or six hours. So they're getting a few a few 90-minute sleep cycles in of just getting their deep sleep. There is sort of restorative um, uh, non-dreaming deep sleep and then wake up and um, practice their dream recall. So mm-hmm. like write in their dream journal or something and then go back to sleep um, practicing the techniques so and then it's very quick then you can go you can actually in 15 minutes you can go from being awake into a lucid dream and if you're a good meditator you can you can do it um in 15 minutes without losing consciousness you you don't even black out you just go you stay conscious all the way watch you watch mm. your body fall asleep watch the dream appear and then you're in the lucid dream so for people who are kind of like uh prone to to obsessive behavior um, yeah. you know, they would make excellent lucid dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking because this sounds like the perfect escapism. It, well, no, the, the thing is, it's if if you use lucid dreaming for psychological um, growth and, and maturity to 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 mature psychologically, then it's actually a, a good thing because you're taking that obsessive energy and you're training it in a in a positive direction rather than into like I don't know. For me, I used to be worried about like checking that I had locked doors and things like that when I left the house. And ah. So, so. <laughs> so you one of those? Uh, yeah, I was. I used to be a little bit. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I'm 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 joking with you because you yeah, know yeah. that's that's me. I know I have uh, those tendencies. So yeah, you know, yeah. so I I get it, and then that's really why I asked. You know, because yeah, I know yeah, they are yeah. good for you of us. I think probably seventy five percent of us, but mm-hmm. we just don't want to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, the thing is, like one of the Buddhist guys said, you know, you can get obsessed with anything. You can get obsessed with, with drinking water, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody's going to be obsessive, they're going to do, they, you know, like I've seen for myself, you know, if, if you have an obsessive tendency, then it really doesn't matter, you know. So that's that's what you do. But that's why, you know, the great thing why I really enjoy Tibetan Buddhism is because, there's so many different bells and whistles and details and things, and you can spend like you can spend like ten years just learning about one of the little Buddha, one of the different Buddhas, mm. and and so that's a very good way of, of directing that that obsessive mind actually, instead of like trying to get rid of it. Um, and then through meditation, as the years go by, the mind relaxes and you become less less obsessive. Mm. But as we know, fighting with with an obsessive trait doesn't help. So, you got to be gentle. Yeah, you got to accept it and, and and nurture it and know it and and yeah. pet, pet it on the head every now exactly. and again. <laughs> but exactly. Listen. Just treat it with compassion. But listen, just 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 on this on this lucid dreaming, how different is it to quantum jumping? Because we already we started yeah. with the other thing as well, you know, the out of body experience. So we touched on that. So right. how how different is that to quantum jumping? Um, I wouldn't be able to. Um, to 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 answer that with okay. much authority because I don't really understand uh, uh, the quantum theory very well. But um, you know, from a from a Tibetan Buddhist point of view, from a Bardo teaching point of view, uh, you know, everything is happening in awareness, 
And so there is no real duality to begin with. And all of these practices are their ultimate goal is for us to recognize the nature of that awareness. Um, because then instead of being obsessed with all the clouds, we, we recognize the nature of the sky. And that, that means that whatever clouds are floating through that sky, it's, it doesn't bother us and we can deal with it. But as long as we're very solidly obsessed with the clouds, then, then, then the mind's constricted and, and going to be tight. So, so in terms of quantum, um, I would say, uh, it's it's all happening in in this in this context of of what you'd call non-duality in the in the first place. But I I always feel uncomfortable speaking about this topic okay. because it's one that can't I can't really understand well because it goes beyond understanding. You know, I think so. it's something I think it's something that we that we kind of have a feeling for, but we're struggling yes. to verbalize it. Exactly, words don't work. You know. Hmm. Well, we, there are experts who can verbalize, and we will get someone on Beyond Ears and Eyes Good. to speak to us about quantum. And then we're going to let you know. David, Good. I'll, I'll try to find that. Apart from helping obsessive-compulsive mind um, relaxing a bit more, how else mm. can lucid dreams serve us or help us oh, grow? Right. So, um, as I was saying, one of the, the, the sort of greatest uses at the moment is to, to help people with um, trauma, uh, post-traumatic stress. So uh, a lot of the time, one of the symptoms of, of post-traumatic stress is having recurring nightmares that then um, every night the person will have the same dream and then be terrified of sleeping. Um, and, and it can really ruin a person's life. And mm. when you are able to get lucid in that dream and face it, that in itself, without anything else, just facing it, knowing that it's a dream, can um, most of the time be enough to stop it forever, that, to stop that cycle. Um, mm. Because you see that it's just your mind, that it's nothing to be afraid of. So for me, that's, that's one of the most important uses at the moment. Um, from the Buddhist point of view, um, as I say, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to, to practice meditation and try to recognize the nature of the, the dreaming mind itself. Um, and also, as I was saying, in terms of the body teachings of preparation for dying, because we, you know, it's, it's, it's something we're all going to do. And yet it's one thing that we generally, are, it's kind of strange. I think that the one thing that is certainly going to be the, one of the most challenging times of our lives. We do no preparation for that elephant. Um, we don't even speak about it. <laughs> exactly. So, so the Bardo teachings, you know, it's all about preparing for that, um, time and, um, Obviously, there's a certain amount of belief or, or whatever that, that would go into that. But from the, you know, if you were following the Bardo teachings and you were um, taking them seriously, then you would see that dying and being reborn are kind of like falling asleep and waking up in the morning. And the space in between is kind of like dreaming. And so you can use the dreams to prepare for that. And then, of course, from the, from the Buddhist point of view, what's awesome is if you can get lucid in the Bardo, so recognizing that you're in the body when you're in it, like recognizing that you're in a dream when you're in a dream, then you, you're in a very, very um, positive situation where you can actually, uh, you know, if you were looking at it from a Buddhist point of view, you could actually um, escape um, the cycle of, of samsara completely, um, which just means, which just means um, 
going beyond duality, going beyond confusion. Um, but that that's, again, something I can't talk about in depth because I don't understand it. David, does lucid dreaming help us or can it help us with something like conflict resolution? Say, say, yeah, Shemaine, yeah. say Shemaine and I have an unresolved conflict. Would yes. it be possible for me to go, I mean, once, would it be possible? Yeah. I, I'll have to learn first. But could I go into a lucid dream state, um, dream about Shemaine and I having a heart-to-heart or resolving this conflict? Yeah. And would the conflict then be really gone or do I still need to do some work? Um, so so what what would happen is that you your your perception of the situation would shift dramatically because if you could go into a lucid dream state and you could um, – expect your man to be so now if you want to speak to a person in a lucid dream what you would do is like let's say I'm, I'm in the living room now and i want to speak to somebody i would expect them to be in the bedroom or in the kitchen and i would walk there because then it gives the dream a chance to create the image right so you would you would get lucid and then you would expect your man to be in the next room and you would walk into the next room and there she would be because dreams are based on expectation and then you would um, just give her so much love and compassion and understanding and um, ask her um, what she needs for this conflict to be resolved. Um, ask, you know, and, and just like maybe give her a big hug and um, you could even do prayers in the lucid dream for her, all of these things. And then another way you could approach it is you could just state, make a statement of intent and say, Say in the lucid dream state, because it's, it's like if you've seen Inception, you know, one of the, one of the parts of Inception that is kind of accurate is that setting, setting an intention in a lucid dream is actually very powerful because it's happening at a subtle level of mind. So you could go into the lucid dream state and then make a statement of intent. All resolution with, um, Charmaine is dissolved. Charmaine and I are, are, are good friends. All of these kinds of, of, of things. And then a third approach you could do is to ask the dream. So you would like, usually people like look up into the sky because that's kind of what makes sense to most people. And you would ask the dream, how can I resolve the conflict with Charmaine or something along those lines? And then a fourth technique, sorry, I, I, I was ahead. thinking of lots of different. A fourth technique is you could just do compassion meditation in general in a lucid dream state because whenever we bring compassion to a situation, it's, it shifts um, these, these conflicts. So those would be four different techniques I would suggest. So what would you say are the risks of lucid dreaming? Are there any risks? Um, unless you there's, already There's like, always cuz unless uh, okay. yeah sorry. No no Please. I'm just I'm just I'm just asking cuz you know what what's going to happen is you give courses maybe yeah. someone hears this they go online there are tutorials you yeah. know, so, so, and, 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 and that could be risky mm. in itself, but, um, you know, also if you don't practice it properly, so, but you yeah. would know w- in which areas specifically, um, so that, you know, you could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there, there are two topics, um, on this. The first is motivation. So we always, I always begin every course with, with motivation and intention, which is what is our motivation? Our motivation is to, to wake up and become more kind and more compassionate. Our motivation is is to recognize that the more awake and aware we are, the more kind we are towards ourselves and others. Our motivation is to bring a light of, of awareness into our lives to transform, but also to, to then bring it into the lives of others and transform and, and help them. Um, uh, you know, not in a not in a savior way, but just as we as we mature, then that light starts to shine greater naturally in the world. 
Um, so if you're going into loose streaming with that motivation instead of um, a, a sort of very limited or selfish motivation, then there can't be any, any risks involved um, in it. Um, but say you don't. Say you don't go so, into it with, with those intentions. No, I mean, you know, it's, there's no problem with having a, having fun and having a good time in a loose stream. But it's good if our motivation is is one of 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 sort of um, a deeper kind of intention of of, of becoming mm-hmm. becoming kinder. You know, in in a Buddhist school, we always you know start with practices with with what we call bodhicitta, which is recognizing that everybody is suffering because of confusion. Uh, we all confused beings, and that causes us to do the wrong things and cause ourselves suffering. And that to to go beyond confusion, to become more more uh, to more wise, to to see things more clearly, like getting lucid in a dream, it, you, it changes the whole dream. But although nothing's changed, except that now you know that it's a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, you know, we we need to bring that wisdom into our own lives and. Um, and so, so we set this motivation to 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 not just not just transform my own confusion into clarity, but to trans, but to, to kind of be be able to help others to do so. But then, having said that, of course, if you if you have been diagnosed with a um, with with the health problem, a mental health problem, um, then I would suggest it's 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 a good idea to just chat to. To your your medical health professional about it and see what they have to say and and or maybe let them guide your your pract- help you know guide your practice. Um, mm-hmm. And where do you need uh, to do it when you yeah. do lucid dreaming? Because what if somebody just comes and wakes you up right in the middle of it, smack bang in it? So yeah, wh- where fine. would you have to go? Oh, is it fine? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like I say, like I say, all it, the only difference between a normal dream and a lucid dream. There's no difference except in a lucid dream, you know that it's a dream, which means that – so I like to say, you know, the nice thing about lucid dreaming is that it's a way for us to see, in our, to recognize in a dream and then to try to, to, to recognize it in waking life, the more experience we have, is that nothing has to change for everything to change. Mm, it's hmm. only your perception, only waking up. Exactly, because we, we're obsessed with trying to, to, to force the world to conform to our, our, our ideas and to force the people around us to conform to our ideas. But actually, once the mind is, is, um, is changed, then, then that's where the freedom lies. You know, you can't, you can't change the entire world, but if you change your mind, then naturally the world around you starts to shift because compassion is contagious because our true nature is compassion. So when we, when we exist as compassion, then that allows, we, it's like a mirror. Others see it and they realize, oh, right, that's, that's something. That's the thing. That's what I want. David, um, yeah. um, are there any shortcuts to going into this lucid state? Like I've heard people talk about dream weed and – you know, yeah. Are they are yeah. there shortcuts? Um, so the the only shortcut that I've heard of that sounds that sounds legitimate is that they they in a sleep lab they'll give a very minor electric current through um, a certain part of the brain that stimulates um, self reflexive awareness, and that seems to be quite effective. Um, so who knows? Maybe I, I don't know if that's safe or not. But if it is, then then that would be a legitimate shortcut. Otherwise. You know, all the all the the, the the gadgets require effort. You know, 
Um, so, so yeah, the gadgets help, but it's like, it's like training wheels on a bicycle. Um, they, they're helpful at the beginning, but then you, what you realize is actually way more fun and, and, and way more, um, practical to ride a bike without training wheels. And herbs? But it's not, sorry? Any herbs? <laughs> Mushrooms um, talking about. Well, uh, I, um, I would say that vitamin B, um, improves your memory and such so if you're taking vitamin b supplements then you you oh. know there's no there's no problem with taking them with your evening meal instead of your your morning meal except that it might it might make you too awake and then you won't sleep you might struggle to fall asleep <laughs> yeah all righty um, then so yeah. yeah david we're all out of time thank you so oh, so man. much for joining okay. us today we had loads of fun and yeah. uh, we'll keep you we'll let you know when we speak to someone about quantum because yeah, I'm also awesome. I'm very interested and I have no clue what it's about. That would be great. Thanks David from me Lisa Tom. Guys. Take care of yourself. Thank Take you. Care, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much David. Thanks. All righty then. All right and that's me Shemaine also signing off on beyond ears and eyes remember that kindness is sexy. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Thanks Dave. Bye. 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 This is cliffcentral.com.